Welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits Podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Kelsey Swantek. And I'm Katie Bathke. We're so glad to have you with us as we continue to explore Nebraska Extension. On this episode, we have the opportunity to sit down with water and integrated cropping systems extension educator, Bruno Lina. Bruno is relatively new to the Nebraska Extension team, but that hasn't stopped him. We're going to hear Bruno's story of how he came to be a part of Nebraska Extension and, of course, the role that digital technologies played in his journey. This isn't the story of every Nebraska Extension educator, but this is Bruno's. So, yeah, I I have a bachelor's degree in agronomy and a master's and PhD in agricultural systems engineering. So my job job title here is um, I'm one assistant extension educator for the water integrated cropping systems. And I'm, I'm from, originally from Brazil, so I was born in Brazil. And uh, in 2019, I came here to the U.S. And then I, when I started my postdoc uh, on, uh, at Auburn University in Alabama, and in April is where, when I started here with Extension. So you've been here, let's see, a couple months now. How's that? Yeah. How's, your, um, how's your first few months been going? Yeah, I would say my my time in here, if I could start a little bit earlier, that would be much more helpful because I would have time to, with the, the that downtime of the year that the farmers are available to talk a little bit. So I got here where at the same moment that they were plant, planting. So it was, it still is being hard to get a hold on farmers and just to come and chat a little bit. So but it's been it's been good in the sense that I'm learning a lot from extension and UNL. They're giving me a lot of support on on trying to uh, put me on the right path or what I have to do. So it's been busy, <laughs> very busy. I'm being able to to communicate with several other educators uh, from extension, and it's been great to learn what they do and trying to fit in on areas that I feel like what well, I can fit in in a good way and also trying to help everyone else. So yeah, I would say busy and very, I would say very challenging, but in a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. So since you shared a little bit about your new job title here within the last few months, can you actually share with us how you got involved in agriculture and kind of what made you want to pursue a career in agriculture? Okay. So I would say that who was the person that came to me and said, okay, Bruno, why don't you go to agriculture? It was my dad. So when I was, when I was 17, 16, and I was trying to see what I was, what I was, what, what would, would be the plans for my careers, my career. And I was thinking on biology. And then I said, why don't you go with the agronomy? Because that you might have more options. And he's an agronomist, so he knew what, what, at least from his point of view, he knew what, what, what he was trying to convey. And that's, what, that's where I kind of started seeing at agriculture as, as okay, I, li- I believe I like that. But that was, I don't know, 
15 years ago, 16 years ago. That was a long time ago when I started to when I started college. So from there to now, I know that I made the right decision. So good. We always like to hear that. Your dad was an agronomist. Was there ever a point that like was it agronomy for you or did you know you wanted to go into extension or is there, what, what career did you actually have in mind in agriculture when you went, when you um, got your bachelor's in, uh, in agronomy? Mm-hmm. Okay. So since when I started my, uh, started college, I had this opportunity to start doing uh, research based with irrigation. So that kind of since when I started, I was looking at okay, I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna do masters, I'm gonna do PhD, and ca- that kind of developed over the years when I was doing college. So I had a I was working for this professor that he was a researcher in a research institute in Brazil, and he was pushing me to do hey Bruno, why don't you do a masters and a PhD? That's gonna allow you to have a a a professor position, or it's gonna allow you to have a research position. And then that kind of built up on me. And then where I, that's why I, I realized, okay, that's a good route to take in my life because I didn't, I didn't want to be the salesperson. That's just a personal opinion. I'm not a salesperson. I like to help people. And that kind of, kind of fit well with what I like and what extension provides. So towards the year, I was kind of learning um, little by little about extension and uh, trying to work d- directly with farmers and w- where's where's where where I am right now is exactly that mindset that I had back in the day so yeah I would say that's that's pretty much this kind of storyline why I, why I'm in here in extension yeah I think could you expand on that and kind of tell us what what you did for your master's degree like what was your research focus and at what point did you decide that you wanted to stick around for your PhD since I had that great advisor that was mentoring me and pushing me to do a master's and PhD, uh, I, I, okay. And, and then I said, okay, I'm going to take this route with master's and PhD. During college, I was doing a lot of irrigation work, trying to develop, uh, trying to understand crop water demands, how we can do better irrigation scheduling. And I was also helping with some software development of, um, with that is directly related to crop water demand and and then i and then i said okay i'm gonna pursue this career with uh uh, and go to uh, to go and do my master's and phd so then i moved city and then i started doing my master's and phd with another professor um and where i again i continue my work with irrigation and developing crop water demand uh studies Okay, let's let's talk a little bit of what I did during my master's and PhD because all, both were were I, I did with the same professor and it was a continuation of a work that we need at least four years of data set. So my my advisor during my my master's and PhD he wanted me to conduct uh, and evaluate daily crop water demand for this crop that is called Jatropha nut. The, the nut itself has, if you, if you press it, you can extract oil and that oil is, it can be converted into biodiesel. So in Brazil, there was a lot of investment that, uh, that the government was giving to, to uh, uh, research institutes or universities that they, won, uh, they were pushing really hard for research on that crop. And then during my master's, because it was a very short period, 
I pretty much uh, collected two years of data of daily crop water demand for this crop. And then we, because this is a perennial crop, you have the year round data set collection. So we developed the, the amount of water it collects during two growing seasons, two full years. When I moved to my PhD and when I started my PhD, I continued the same work. But on top of that, because we had a, a great group with a lot of projects going on with that crop, I, I was collaborating and helping other masters and PhD students to do some management work for that crop, inc mainly including prune. What would be the prune if effect on those crops? If you do uh, the, the three feet, five feet, or six feet, is that gonna is that gonna influence a lot on yield for that growing season? Um, on top of that, we're also doing um, nutrient work, changing nutrient levels in the soil and see how that will would affect that crop. Uh, over two, three growing seasons. So we're trying to do, a, it was a, I would say basic study, but back then we didn't have much information regarding that crop because that crop just kind of show up to everyone is the future of crop. It can take draw easily and it can produce a lot. So, okay, let's, let's start to investigate what, what would be those uh, effects. So. Yeah, during my master's and PhD, that's pretty much what I did there. Uh, and on top of on top of that, I would say that I, I had an opportunity to come here to in on 2015, and I stay here for four months here at UNL, and I work for a professor just as a very short internship. So he he was helping me to analyze the data from all that data that I collect during my PhD. And we work together to publish a, a paper for, in a journal article, uh, in a scientific journal. So that's, uh, I would say, irrigation, a lot of irrigation, a little bit of crop management, and a little bit of more irrigation. So <laughs> you have your bachelor's in agronomy, and then both your PhD and your master's are in ag engineering, right? Agricultural systems engineering. Yes. So how did that how did that transition happen? What made you choose to switch from agronomy to a more um, I guess engineered based uh, based side of things? Um, I would say it's more because I found that professor that wanted to do that that work. I was that was the program. So my major became on agricultural systems and engineering. Uh, that I had opportunity to to have a lot of class, uh, classes uh, that was involved with uh, uh, with ag engineering, but it was not. It was kind of okay. It's not that I had options to choose, but I was involved on that. I liked the the engineering aspect of of what we did. So I would say it was kind of a win win. But in agronomy, you even though I say agronomy is a, it's kind of a is a little bit different the way we say here in, in, in the uh, here in the US and in Brazil. So you have agricultural engineering, which is one degree, and you have uh, agronomy, but there is a kind of engineering related to agronomy. It's kind of a two two degrees in one, but you you also takes uh, engineering together with agronomy. So it's a more the uh, is a more it takes a little bit longer for you to have the degree. But you also take few courses for the uh, engineering side, so I, I was kind of in the same area. It was uh, I didn't change much, 
at the same time, the professor wants me to, to be there and that was the area that I would have to focus. So it was kind of a, it didn't change much, but it, it, that was the option that I had that back then. So. Okay. And you, so you just kind of followed your interests. That's very cool. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, yeah, again, yeah. As you said, I, I could have gone to a, a completely different route. Like, let's say if I want to do genetics, that it would move me from engineering. I would also be on uh, on agriculture, but I would be genetics. I would not be involved with uh, engineers. So I was happy to be there. I, I have this mindset of engineers. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so kind of building on top of that, kind of looking back at your college experience, are there any ag technologies that really stand out to you? Maybe something that you used a lot or you found useful or maybe something that you helped develop maybe from your work? Um, one thing that kind of stood out when I was doing college, when I was doing college, is that I, ha I had this opportunity to have this course with GPS. Uh, so there, there was this... Um, PhD student that he was learning a lot about GPSs and then he he taught us on how to use and what type of data you could get but this was back in 2007 so it was a long quite a long time ago considering that the, the, considering that technology evolves so fast that you so pretty much what I'm trying to say that was very fascinating to me that you could track down everything with GPSs but I didn't have a lot of, I would say, a lot of uh, contact with this, I would say, precision ag, or I was more involved with irrigation. Okay, how can we do better irrigation scheduling? So based pretty much what, what I was doing, I was tracking down uh, soil water levels and working with... Uh, weather stations and see how much water those plants are taking and doing a better irrigation schedule based on that. Very cool. Um, so after you graduated with, you know, all your degrees, you're ready, you're ready to be a full-time employee and enter the workforce. You're no longer a student. Uh, what were some of the goals you had in mind for yourself um, as well as like some of the skills, you know, you knew that you wanted to utilize in your career? Uh -huh. Um. In 2015, when I came here and I was working for this professor, um, he had a 50% extension appointment. So is where I had the first contact with extension and the importance of extension. When I finished that, I really want to do either become a professor in Brazil or do uh, try to, uh, to do a, uh, a, a postdoc here in the US. But if I would... If, if I eventually started a, a postdoc here, I wanted to work with extension, have some extension relations. So, okay, I finished my PhD and then I started applying everywhere, both in Brazil and in here. Brazil mainly uh, professor positions and here in the US, postdocs. And then I got a, a job in Brazil as a professor. This was a temporary job that it was a like a fixed contract that I would be working only for two years and after that is done and then I was the professor that was taking every class you can imagine and the temporary professor okay each class that a professor is is taking like a sabbatical or something like that 
Bruno is going to take it. So <laughs> I thought everything you can imagine relate to, mainly relate to the engineering and agriculture. Um, but then I, I was always thinking, okay, I want to I wanna work with farmers. I want to do something with farmers, with extension. Um, and uh, if I'm going to, if I ever going to do some research, I want to do research with farmers. And in early 2019 uh, or late 2018, there was this position open for Auburn University that it was a job that would also involve extension work. And when I saw, I saw that position, I really got myself prepared to apply. And I was very, uh, I would say, thankful to find that professor that sh uh, she wanted me to jo join her team. And I was working for the past three years and a few months. So it was, uh, it was a great, I would say, a great opportunity for me in my life thinking that I would take the uh, the research route, changing that to extension, because that will allow me to do what I, what I love, which is helping farmers. So, and here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So we're going to shift the conversation a little bit and kind of talk about more about where you are today. So like what counties that you're going to serve and kind of what's unique in that area and why you chose to work there. Okay. Uh, so the areas that I'm serving is Platt, Boone and Lance counties. Uh, one thing that I've seen here, and that that was since my, since the day that I came here for the in-person interview, uh, we have a lot of nitrate issues in the area. And when I and that's not something that is fairly common. It's not common in in Alabama. So it's just the the way the region is, and that is the just the way nitrate accumulates in the groundwater. And it was very clear to me since the first beginning that it was a major issue. So we do have one of the highest spot. I'd say we share we share those highest spot here in Platte County with few other locations in in the state. Uh, so we do have we kind of share with some some other places, and that's something that is quite unique um, uh, for the area. One thing that I've noticed that uh, I might be wrong, but I remember seeing some data that shows that Platte County itself has pretty much the same amount of irrigated land than Alabama. So Alabama, all Alabama. Uh, so it was very it was very good to come here and have this big re region with a lot of irrigation land that I can do my, my irrigation programming. So <laughs> that's um, something that is quite unique. It's a very strong, it's a very strong, um, Platt itself, not Boone and Ants, but Platt is a very strongly irrigated. And also we have the Lince, I believe we have the Lince, which is one of the companies that has irrigation. And if I'm not wrong, we have Valley or is close by. So I have to check on that. So those are like the big irrigation companies that sell pivots. So I talked about this a couple of weeks uh, ago on one of the episodes with Chuck Burr. Um, so I'm actually from Nance County and Katie yes. Picard, um, I, I saw her up at um, NREC uh, last summer. She was talking about water quality and nitrates and in, um, in the drinking water in Nebraska. And she put up this map on the wall and it was like color coded based off how many um, birth defects happen in each county in Nebraska because of nitrates in the water. Mm -hmm. And Nance County was the darkest purple you can get on that map. And that was like, that was intense to see. I was like, it does not get closer to home than that. That was like, I, that was kind of a wake up moment for me. And I just, yeah. I don't know. So I really appreciate that you're working on this and uh, 
Very cool. Yeah, and irrigation is, I would say, one of the main, can be one of the main sources to put that nitrogen down that's going to bring that nitrogen to the ground level. So one thing that I'm, I believe you're going to ask that later, but one thing that I want to work really heavily and really hard is how we do a better irrigation schedule. How we, how we look into water applied and play with the weather in the sense that we avoid over-irrigated lands. If we can avoid that, we're going to minimize the issues with nitrate. And, okay, and as, and that is a kind of, is a kind of an entire system that you think on cover crop, on irrigation, on good practices for planting, and everything else related to that goes back to minimizing uh, impacts. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, some impact that might occur with some practice of from agriculture. So it all it all connects back to itself, and it's just like one big. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree yeah. with that. Um, so when you're thinking of your focus area um, within within digital technology, what are you most excited to research within your counties? I would say that this job, everything that is going to be related to uh, precision technology, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a hold on Luan because he Luan and Nate, they are the ag guys. So what I'm doing right now is, okay, what do you believe is going to be important to bring as far as technology here to, to, to my area? Whatever he's going to say, I'm going to adopt that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm working with him to help him with, oh, it's mainly Luan to help with, with irrigation work. So yeah, one thing, but go, going back to your, to your question is one thing that I truly believe that is pretty much neat and that's something that I'm learning there are some, I believe, drone, drone image, and everything related to collection of data that is a remote data uh, or related to remote sensing. This is the technology for the future. I do believe that the more the technology uh, evolves, the more we're gonna have to adopt these technologies. And having those, uh, and also, I believe it is trying to manage all that amount of data, this big data, how you come up with a map and convert that to an irrigation map that you're going to have a variable irrigation system and doing that very precisely. So we are still on the progress of developing methodologies that are precise and accurate at the same time. And I do believe that's that's where we're going to move. And in the future, we, we're going to, we're going to control all the tractors through the through the phone. I do believe that. So it's gonna do by uh, everything by itself. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree with you. And to also to make that usable for a farmer, because it's one thing for this is how my dad would look at this at least, like for big fancy Bruno with his PhD in engineering to like be able to figure out this, but then to break it down to a usable level that like can be implemented. I think that's also super important to this. Yeah, I do agree with you. Uh, we have to have tools that help us just to press the easy button and that's gonna do a good job. And the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is because farmers, they don't have enough people to have them out in the field. So they're doing that all by themselves. And the more we move, the more we, we, we move towards the future, 
the less people will, will be willing to be in the field. And the farmers will be there by themselves. And they're the ones that are bringing food to, to our table. We need them. We need them. Everyone need, uh, need them. Uh, everyone need them. What I'm trying to say is that if we can implement new technology that will make their life much easier, that will allow them to, to reduce the amount of time that they stay in the field so they can, or the technology will most likely help them to, to have more profit, that's going to be the end goal. That's, that's going to also be my end goal as an educator, trying to get more and more technology that's going to be feasible for them. That's going to bring, it's not about profit. It's more than that. It's like make their lives much easier. That's even more important. So, yeah. So that's, I would say that's pretty much what I believe that technology is going to bring. <laughs> I love that you like brought this up because after working kind of in the industry side, as well as the research side, you kind of, you see this conversation happening more often now as technology is developing. And that's one that I often come back to with producers is how can it be implemented? What's, what's it going to do for me? And so if we could have you highlight, um, really some of those advantages of utilizing digital technology. Um, starting from the point that the, that tech, particular technology is gonna is accurate and precise, I believe the main benefit is is trying to improve efficiency for the entire cropping systems. For instance, if we can track down, let's say, let's look only into uh, nutrient application. Nutrient is super expensive today. If we can apply the exactly amount of nutrient that the plants need that is the the best point that is gonna turn into the best efficiency for that for that crop and it's gonna it's not that the more nutrient you're gonna apply the more you're gonna get there is a point on that curve that is the is the the sweet spot that don't necessarily is the maximum uh, nutrient amount so the the precision technology, I do believe, is going to allow us to identify in a field how we can play with all that variability and how we can apply all those inputs in a, a, using a variable rate technology. So that's one of the main benefits that we, uh, 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 at the end, we're going to be super efficient on what we do. And there is very minimal. Uh, input loss i think uh any any input i think in ag is very very expensive like whether that's turning on your pivot um if you're uh gravity irrigating taking the time to know change gates and whatever you're doing um nitrogen prices are crazy right now so every single thing like we always kind of joke at my farm like you walk out the door and you're spending money it's just anything you do whether that's start a tractor diesel's really expensive right now like it's just, you can't do anything without spending money. So being able to increase profitability and also decrease the cost of inputs is, and to maximize the efficiency of those yes. inputs as well. Yes. Yeah. That's, I believe that's the main goal that we, we work with all that big data, all that source of data and, and bring to a very efficient system. That's, that's the main goal. It's hard because there are so many factors involved, a lot of variability in a field. And a lot of constraints that might be, might not be, I would say, applicable for a farmer. But as we progress toward 
more and more technology, we're going to find a really good system. I do believe that. Absolutely. Uh, so being from Brazil, have you noticed since you've been here um, differences with digital ag technology, like application or adoption between the U.S. and Brazil? Um, I believe it all boils down to like purchasing power. The technology is the same. A farmer in Brazil can purchase the same equipment that a farmer here in the U.S. Uh, can purchase. The what makes I would say the what makes difficult for farmers is to implement those because the reality of of the purchasing power is 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 like two different worlds. Uh, only really big farmers they adopt all the technologies that is out there because they have money to purchase. But small uh, small farmers they can they are doomed to not being able to do that or and so is sometimes that's the main the main issue. But yeah, it's pretty much the same. It's just the adoption is related to if they can afford that or not. I think that's something that I kind of see similar here with the uh, people around my county, just because we are have kind of more small farms, and so I think that's definitely a question that I've run into quite a bit. Um, I guess right now we're kind of going to focus on what you see the future of digital agriculture and technologies may be. I would say everything is going to be connected. Everything is going to be real time. Everything is going to be in your phone, it's mainly in your phone, and you're going to be able to do everything remotely. There will be very minimal input from human. Oh, and I, I was almost forgetting artificial artificial intelligence okay that's something that's gonna that's gonna be there and there are so many great work showing that a ai algorithm can predict fairly well what would be based on few factors that you put in and that your your output is fairly the same so i do believe that with all these available technology and and that Everything is going to be integrated. It's going to be an easy button for everyone. Just go there, collect the data, a satellite image or a drone image, and that, then the plant, I don't know, the planter or the, the sprayer or everything that is related to agriculture is going to be done automatically. On the go, on the fly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy world to think about, but I think you're absolutely right. That's where it, I think that's definitely where it's all going. Uh, and what you kind of said about artificial intelligence, I think if I remember correctly, Katie was in this class with me. We, uh, it was with Dr. Andrea Beige. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've met her. Um, and we worked with um, a modeling system. And what she said from the beginning is she said, um, models are never, ever, ever going to be correct. They're never going to be right. But you're always, always going to be able to learn something from them. That's correct. I agree 100%. <laughs> um, you might have mentioned this a little bit earlier um but just to kind of focus on it a little bit more what made you want to become a part of nebraska extension specifically why didn't you go to iowa or stay in alabama or whatever you wherever else you could think of uh-huh yeah that goes back to okay when i started college i did my master's and my phd extension in brazil we don't have the same system as you guys have here um here usually there's this uh state-based extension that is related to the university or few universities that makes that happen. So we have people dictated to help 
stakeholders, or in my case, far growers, farmers. When I started, when I came here to the US is when I noticed that that was one of the ways I could, I could work with. And I started learning that extension really helps for farmer or growers no matter what. You can do research with farmers and you're gonna get information. You're gonna encourage them or engage more farmers to do the same and then kind of grow, grows. So I kind of started learning with extension, what would be the benefit? And that I started thinking, okay, this kind of fits better with my personality. And I believe that I can, I believe I can get very, very successful if I get a position with extension. Uh, and funny facts that when I came here, I was ready to become a professor. I wanna be an extensionist, uh, I would say a, specialist uh, like a uh, like a professor but then i said okay if i go only for extension that's going to allow me to work more directly with farmers and be there in the field which which what i love to do so that pretty much answer your question that i want to be out i want to help farmers and i want to bring all my all the knowledge that i gain and i want to learn new things and bring that to farmers and so far as I said, I didn't have a lot of exp uh, a lot of opportunity to meet with farmers, but for the few farmers that I met so far, I was so happy that I engaged. I was able to engage few farmers to do some irrigation work. That that I said, okay, that's what I want to do because they are they are interested on learning new things that they were a little bit skeptical. Skeptical, say, oh, you know, I don't believe that works. And then I said, okay, let's, why don't we try out? So you're going to start engaging new people. You're going to start change, uh, bringing more knowledge. So you're going to see knowledge gain, behavior change. So we need that. We need that. Even though we have new and more and more new farmers uh, that are taking the positions from their granddads or their dads, there, there are still a lot of farmers uh, uh, that we can bring new technologies and encourage them to, to take those technologies. Um, I would say it's not easy and I see that way. Sometimes you don't wanna change much, which is, which is understandable. I, I completely understand that. If you're, in your, if you're doing something for years and years and it's working, uh, why are you gonna change? So the key is to find few farmers that are very into adopting new technologies and and so I can use those farmers to engage neighbors, and that's where the program is gonna build and build. So yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Sometimes you just gotta find kind of your one gold star that's ready to take the plunge themselves, and then just kind of let all the neighbors just kind of watch and like, oh, if he can do it, like maybe we could try it out uh -huh. next year. I think yeah. that's huge. Far I mean, farmers talk like that's yes. that's a great way to get your information across. Yes. Is to just uh -huh. gotta find your one person. Uh -huh. And I would say I'm learning a lot from them on how how to communicate and what is the language that we have to use in order to to show something. I'm not selling anything. I'm just trying to do my best and trying to help them with whatever whatever it takes based on my knowledge. I don't know everything, but at least on the areas that I know that I I can help, I'm gonna try to, as you said, try to engage few farmers and then build my program based on those farmers. I love that you brought that up and kind of how you're coming into this and kind of understanding how 
um, especially in your counties, um, what's the best way for you to start to implement the research? I think that's something that maybe we haven't seen yet on this show. And so thank you for bringing that up. I guess my next question is going to be kind of more focused. You talked a lot about learning. And so there's kind of like extension educators are always learning. And just because you graduated, that doesn't mean you're kind of done with that part of your life. But what aspect of your career are you most excited about to grow in and to learn more about? Like, how are you going to continue this? One way that I like to answer that is is by not staying in our comfort zone. Just stay out of your comfort zone, then you're going to learn. <laughs> that's the way I, that's it. But there are several methods or ways to do that. But by not staying in our comfort zone, then is where when you learn. That's very simple. And yeah, it's very true. But that's, I love how you just put that so simply. Just push yourself a little bit. That's all there really is to it. Very cool. Where can our listeners go to learn more information if they're interested um, in anything we talked about today or if they have more questions about um, anything we went over? Uh, One thing that, comes to my mind is the map guide i believe is is a good source of information that people can can go and and if they have any any questions related to something um to the cropping system they might get answered right there but i always encourage farmers to talk with extension educators because we have a really good connected team that if i don't know the answer I'm going to ask to another educator that might know, and then I'm going to, I'm going to provide the best answer to that, to that grower. So that's, I would say, uh, that's, I believe is, is the way to go right now. But I know that one year from today, uh, I'll, I know that we're going to have much more resources that they can find to, if they're interested in learning something. <laughs> and I think you've mentioned this a few times today, but also the fact that you're kind of a neutral party and you're not selling anything is very unique about the extension system. Um, And that's another thing I've talked about, I think on every episode is you're not selling company A, B, or C. You're not a salesman from company A saying, this is the only way to do things. You say, this is the information you have. And that's the information you give out to the farmer Uh and they can make their decisions with that, with that from you. Uh uh Yeah. 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 That's the beauty of extension. I I like that. And I like to help people. So <laughs> that's a good marriage, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've got one last question for you. And it's, do you have any advice or words of wisdom for producers in any location that might want to get involved in the extension system, whether that be in Nebraska or in other states? Uh, I have the sense, I have the sense that farmers, they know the importance of extension. They know that we are there and we're trying to help with whatever they want. I would say, okay, one thing that that came to my mind is that we have the on-farm research. And that and if farmers want wants to try out anything in particular, let's say they want to try to adopt a mix of cover crop instead of only one crop or only one crop or they wanna try some depth irrigation uh, scenarios in order to save a little bit of water and perhaps have a more efficient uh, cropping systems. Uh, the on-farm research has really nice protocols that they can follow that they can, they might find some findings that's gonna benefit them directly. Um, 
if they found out that instead of applying 100% water requirement, uh, 80% is, is, is a more efficient way, it's not, it, it maybe it doesn't hurt you, then the water use efficiency is better. So there are ways that on-farm research, the, that you can follow the on-farm research protocols in order to do that. So that's, that's what comes to my mind that is a really good way to try things, new things, if they're willing to do. And in order to do that, just call the extension educator and they're gonna be willing to, to, to help designing the experiment based on their operation. Thank you very much to Bruno Lina for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. It's really exciting to meet one of the newest additions to the Nebraska Extension System. And let me tell you, Bruno is excited to take on this role. I loved hearing him talk so much about how he wants to help farmers. I think he's a prime example of what Nebraska Extension stands for, helping improve operations one farmer at a time. I couldn't agree more. With his drive for innovation and passion for learning, Bruno will help implement the future of agriculture. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to sharing another Nebraska Extension story with you next week on Farm Bits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the reviews section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.